this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. on Tuesday evening again as we come back here to celebrate Christmas Eve together. Uh, now is still a good time to invite a friend or a family member to join you for that. One of the things that's nice about this time of the year is a lot of people are willing to say, I'd like to go to church. And so we have an opportunity to invite somebody who otherwise might not come and experience God in this place with us to join us. And you can never be told no unless you first ask. All right. So I want to invite you to go and get rejected this week. If people say no, that's okay. Now, uh, good morning, everyone. For those of you that I met this morning or that I've not yet met, my name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here at The Point. Uh, Earlier, Emily said something that we really say often here. It's okay to not be okay. Uh, If your life is a mess and you're kind of broken and you don't look perfect, you're in the right place. My wife, on Wednesday, her and the kids flew to Omaha, Nebraska, so that uh, they could be there for Christmas with my in-laws. And I get to join them on Christmas morning, bright and early. I'm not looking forward to flying out at six in the morning, Um, but it'll be a good Christmas. And with my wife leaving, I realized I'm kind of a mess without her. Uh, Like, you would think a week with a quiet house would be really nice, but I've suffered this week in some big ways. See, twice this week I did something I haven't done in a long time that I really hope I don't do again anytime soon. Uh, first, it happened on Friday or Thursday. I, I went to Panera to have a meeting with some people and I got myself a cup of coffee. And without paying any attention, I went to drink that coffee. Coming straight out of the coffee urn, it was lukewarm. Anybody ever had lukewarm coffee? I would much rather cold coffee, iced coffee, which I don't like than lukewarm coffee. Lukewarm coffee is disgusting. If you've ever had it, you know the face you make when you drink it, not expecting it, right? You're like, oh. And then if you're like me, you drink it anyway because you're desperate for caffeine. That, That was my week this week. And I know that's a first world problem. Like it only exists here because life is pretty comfortable. That's not really a problem in the grand scheme of things. But then on Friday, it got worse. You see, Friday I went to a friend's Christmas party and he handed me a beer and I wasn't smart and I didn't put the beer in one of our point koozies. And so as the night went on and I'm just kind of nursing it while I'm having conversations, I wasn't paying attention and my beer got lukewarm and I made the mistake of drinking it. You ever had that? Like that is way worse than lukewarm coffee. It is not pleasant and you just want to spit it out. You're like, oh, what did I just drink right there? And again, I know these aren't real problems. Right? Like in the grand scheme of anything, they don't matter at all. 
but I certainly hope to avoid doing both of those uh, for the foreseeable future because neither leave a pleasant taste in my mouth and neither leave me wanting more, but instead they leave me dissatisfied. Like I was robbed of what should have been joyful. Instead, it is unpleasant and not satisfactory. As we finish Letters from God, this series looking at God writing letters to his church, we're going to see Jesus with a similar expression on his face. That like, oh, this lack of satisfaction, this lack of joy, something that should have been really good, but instead he's very disappointed in and very let down by. See, in this letter, uh, this final letter in the book of Revelation, Jesus is kind of mean. Like, you might not think that about Jesus, but in this letter, he doesn't say a single nice thing about the church he's writing to. Unlike the other letters where he's like, hey, you're doing something kind of all right. No, he just jumps right into how they're failing. And I know sometimes we think this is who God is, right? He's just looking to catch us, do all the wrong. He's just looking to prove how bad we are. He's just angry and mean. My hope today is as we look at this letter and we see Jesus have this kind of response that I had to my coffee and my beer, my my hope is you'll see he's also not just this angry, mean God, but really gracious and loving. Here's what he says. It's in Revelation chapter 3, if you would like to follow along. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Could you imagine Jesus saying this to you and me? Like, I wish you were better than you are, but because you're just lukewarm, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. Like that gross beer and disgusting coffee. Ugh! I want nothing to do with you. Whew. Thanks, Jesus. Way to pull no punches. Now, I've heard it taught time and time again that being hot refers to those who really love Jesus and being cold refers to those who really hate Jesus. But if that's the case, why does Jesus say, I wish you were one or the other? Jesus doesn't want any of us to hate him because he loves us. Jesus doesn't want any of us to be cold and and like distant from him. So why would he say that it's better to be cold than it is to be hot or to be lukewarm? As I was studying this this week, I discovered something really interesting. The Greek word used here for cold is only used one other time in the New Testament. Jesus is the one who uses it. And he's describing rewards in heaven. And he's describing what it's like for the one who cares for the least of these. And he says, look, whoever gives even one cup of cold water to the least of these, you've done it for me. So when Jesus says you're neither cold nor hot, being cold is actually a good thing. It's something refreshing in this context. Look, you're either one who's being this really good, hopeful person for others, who's doing something kind to them, who's loving them like I've loved in their time of need. Or you're in this place of being hot, where you're fiery, you're passionate, you're excited about who I am. Either one of those is really good. What's bad is being in the middle, being lukewarm. 
What does this mean to be lukewarm? Well, all of these sins, every one of these letters he's written have worked their way towards here's the way you need to change. See, we believe Jesus invites you to come as you are. There's no prerequisite to believing in him. There's no prerequisite to gathering in this place. In fact, you can be here with us every single week and not believe a single thing we believe. We're okay with that. You don't have to act like we act or think like we think. That's fine. Because we believe Jesus invites you to come as you are. But then he loves you too much to keep you that way. And we want to walk with you on a journey of becoming who you are. And all of these sins that it points out are ways in which we fail to see God's goodness and we choose to live in our own strength and power. Jesus here, he says, look, you guys are lukewarm, so I will spit you out of my mouth. Look, you're neither hot nor cold. You're just someplace in the middle. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. You don't really love Jesus. You're not really against Jesus. You're not really living as if there's anything you have to offer the people around you, but you're also not really like being a jerk. You're just kind of a good enough person. And it's okay if I get through today, if I get through tomorrow, that's fine. It doesn't really matter what I do to other people as long as I'm not doing anything bad, right? And faith is just kind of an extra. Jesus is writing to this church who's wrestling with apathy where they're kind of in a place they don't actually need God or see any benefit he brings to their life. They're not opposed to him, but they're also not really in favor of him. In fact, Laodicea, this church specifically, every one of these letters is written to a church in a city. And of the seven letters, this city is the wealthiest of them. See, there's uh, two major trade routes that intersect there in Laodicea. Uh, It's Interstate 40 and 75. Oh, sorry, that's here. Um, Two major trade routes that intersect there in Laodicea. And so all of the trade going through this region stopped here at some point, which made them incredibly wealthy. They were known for their, their animals, specifically their sheep that had black wool that made really nice woven garments. They were also known because in this city, there was a medical school that would make medicine ointments for eyes and ears. So there's this wealthy city that is pretty content just going through life on their own. This wealthy church that doesn't see the need to bless the community around them, but also isn't really passionate about Jesus. They're just kind of okay. And they're okay with that. Jesus says, look, I wish you were one or the other. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. There's a myth in our culture that I need to dispel real quick. It is not sinful to be wealthy. I know we have some people who believe wealth is evil. The Bible never says that wealth is evil. So if you know people who are wealthy and you're jealous and envious, let me tell you, jealousy and envy, envy, that's evil. Wealth is not. Wealth is like a brick. With a brick, you can do something really good, like build a hospital. But with a brick, you can do something really bad, like you know, hit your neighbor or throw it through a window. The brick doesn't care what you do with it. But what you do with it changes the reality. Wealth is not evil. People who are wealthy are not evil. We have an opportunity to do great things through our wealth or not. 
These people are very rich. They have all kinds of wealth. Jesus says, you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. You ever been there? I was having a conversation last night with somebody over an appetizer. and We're sitting there talking and and we got to the conversation of Financial Peace University. This person's doing pretty well in their life. And, and they're like, I don't think I really need that class. And I said, you probably don't. But I think everybody can learn from it. So Because if you have nothing, you should learn how to manage nothing. But if you have a lot of things, you should also learn how to manage a lot of things. And we started talking. And we both agreed that when we had nothing in our lives, we were really, really diligent about not spending money. Right, Because it's really hard to go and spend money if you don't have it. And so if you're trying to choose, do I eat today or do I go buy this fun luxury? Most often it's really easy to say, I think eating sounds like a good choice. And it's easy to say no to those things you don't necessarily need. But when you begin to get more comfortable financially, it's a lot harder to budget. Maybe you know this, right? When, when you're not pressed for, will I be able to pay rent this month? You begin to find extra ways to live just to the edge of your means or maybe slightly past. Find ways to justify living beyond your comfort. And it's okay because we can afford this. And so in this conversation, he said, you know, shouldn't we be able to like have more available now that I have a greater income? And yet I find I'm still living just the same paycheck to paycheck. I'm kind of always right there, not quite having enough. These people are wealthy enough to be really comfortable. I've prospered. I need nothing. And yet Jesus calls them out. He says, you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Do you imagine Jesus saying this to you? Like, hey, you suck. Thanks, Jesus. Uh, and also with you, right? I mean... What? How do you respond to that? What do you say when Jesus just calls you? You are wretched and naked and pitiful. But then there's an invitation. He says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. In this town where they were rich because of their garments they had made, because of the wealth they had accumulated in trade, because of their medical school to care for the eyes, Jesus says, look, I counsel you to get all of that stuff from me, to buy gold from me that's been refined by fire, to get your garments from me, to get this, this salve for your eyes, this ointment, so that you can truly see. Come to me. See, these people in Laodicea, they were comfortable enough in their wealth that Jesus was just okay to them. They weren't desperately in need of him, but they also didn't really hate him. And far too often, we can be just the same. We get comfortable in whatever wealth we have, be it lots or be it little. We get comfortable in our own ability to sustain ourselves and provide for ourselves and do the things we want. And yet Jesus is saying, look, come to me and receive these things you're longing for. Come to me and find what you really need. Then he goes on. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. 
None of us want to hear from Jesus, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Trust in me. Believe in my goodness. Receive from me what you need for life. But he's saying this as someone who loves us. See, he's saying this that we may be disciplined. Does anybody in here like discipline? Good, not a single hand. You guys are all honest for the moment, okay? None of us enjoy discipline. My kids certainly don't enjoy discipline, and my son has learned these terrible words that always get me. Dad, you're being so mean right now. And sometimes it's true, and I'm being mean because I'm angry, and other times I'm like, I'm not being mean. You're breaking the rules, and you need discipline. See, discipline is really good. It shapes and forms us. It creates in us somebody different. Discipline is helpful, but not enjoyable. Jesus says to this apathetic church that's neither hot nor cold, this church that's really comfortable in their wealth and says, we don't really need anything else. We're okay. He says, come to me. I tell you this as discipline. I want to shape you into somebody different. Not get rid of the things you enjoy. Not force you to be a good person. No, I just want to shape you into somebody really, really wonderful. One who's like a cold cup of water refreshing and blessing those around him. Or like a hot cup of coffee really comforting and satisfying, right? I want you to be really great for the world around you. You can only do that in me. And then he goes on, he says this in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat with him and he with me. Jesus in the Gospels, in both Matthew and Luke, he uses this imagery of a door and somebody knocking. In both of those Gospels, this imagery is used a little differently though. You see, in both of those, he's talking about when he comes in the day of judgment, on that final day, when he returns, he will come and those who are not prepared will be outside of the house when the door closes. And they will be outside of the fellowship and community with him. And when they knock on the door, Jesus let us in. He'll say, I don't know you. And they'll be apart from him. But here he uses this imagery of knocking just the opposite. Instead of it being him coming in judgment, saying, look, I'm coming like a friend. Knock, knocking on your door, open. Open this door and I will come and I will eat with you as family does, as friends do. Not as one who comes to judge, but as one who loves you and is with you and is for you in all things. He says, behold, I'm standing at the door and knock. See, there's this beautiful promise here. That it's not about our apathy or our goodness or all that we get right. No, it's about a God who's coming and he's knocking. Even now to this church that is failing miserably. That he has nothing to say anything good about. Even to this church that Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. He says, behold, I'm knocking. Open the door and let me in to be here with you. To eat with you. This promise is that even in our apathy, even in our wealth and our comfort that's based on me and what's in it for me and in our faith that says, I don't need to love others as long as it's good enough for me, it's good enough for everybody else. In this self-centered life we're living, behold, he's knocking. 
to come in not as a judge, not as one who's angry, not as one who wants to spit us out of his mouth, but as a friend. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In this final letter of Jesus, before he gets into this magnificent vision of his throne and what it looks like when he comes, he says this, I know that you guys are content the way you are. I know that you're very okay with just being complacent. I know that your wealth and your comfort and your life have blinded you to all that I have to offer. So come to me and receive what I freely give. Come to me and receive this life. This life with me where I'm not a God who shuts you out and is angry with you, but a God who invites you in to eat and to join in all of my promises. As we prepare for Christmas this week, as we get, get ourselves ready to celebrate, I want to ask this question of you. Are you cold? Are you a rich blessing to those who are thirsty and those who are around you? Like this cold cup of water, do you help others experience something they desperately need? Are, are you hot like a good cup of coffee, someone that is fiery and really a blessing that brings peace and joy deep down in the soul? Or are you lukewarm, content the way you are? As long as you're good enough and not as bad as somebody else, it'll be okay. And as long as you have enough to pay the bills and buy the presents and do the things you want to do, doesn't matter if that's actually enough or more than enough, it'll be okay. Wherever you're at today, this is his promise. Behold, I'm knocking. Open the door. Let me come in and eat with you. My hope for you this Christmas is that you will see his blessing and his presence for everything you need. That he would be more than just enough, more than just what you think he's supposed to be. But that he would truly be everything you need. And in him... You can bless those around you. This is my hope and my prayer for you. Will you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to be yours. God, in our wealth, we can become content. In all of your material blessings, God, we can lose sight of the one who gives his blessing. In all of our busyness this Christmas season, trying to get the best deal, the best gifts, the best presents, we can forget that it's all about you. God, whether we're hot or cold, you are okay with that. But you do not want us to be lukewarm and apathetic. God, where we are apathetic and going through the motions, would you wake us up? Would you help us to become either hot or cold, a blessing to those around us, filled with passion and zeal for you and your goodness and this promise that you are our friend who wants to come in and eat with us. God, we pray that you would do this, that we can be a blessing to those around us. That unlike that lukewarm coffee or lukewarm beer, God, we would bring joy to people who experience us this Christmas season. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing, for the ways that you are moving and the things you are changing. 
Help us to surrender to that today, tomorrow, and every day going forward. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship, we're going to collect an offering. If you're here for the very first time, I want to tell you a little bit about why we collect an offering. We collect an offering in this place because we believe God is actively moving into our community through us. We believe he's seeking out those who are thirsty and who are hungry, those who are hurting, and through us inviting them to come and experience his love. And so this offering is not just so that we can be in this space more. It's not just so that we can get paid more or build a bigger building. No, this offering is so that we can love our community and connect the disconnected. And so if you came prepared to give today, you can give at thepointknox.com or in the popcorn buckets when it comes by. If you came prepared to give or if you brought those commitment cards that we've handed out in the past, uh, you can put those in the bucket as a way of saying, I'm committing to continuing to serve and support the work God is doing through this church. And if you've been here before, you know that every December we do something called rent-free. See, we gather in this space so that we can hear his word and receive his forgiveness and then scatter into our workplaces and our lives and be the hands and feet who offer a cold cup to somebody who's thirsty, who offer something joyful and and wonderful to those who are in need. And, And so one of the things we do every December is we set aside rent in advance so that next year we don't actually have to focus on paying for this space. Instead, we can focus only on loving our community. Uh, So this is something we ask for people who call this church their home. Uh, Will you make a commitment of either increasing your giving by $7 a week or a year-end gift to help us set aside rent and prepare to love people in 2020 even better? Uh, Now, if all of this is brand new and you've never heard any of this from me, um, know this. In this place, we don't expect you to give. We don't require you to give. We just invite you to join in what God's doing and give not to get his love, but because you already have it. Thank you. We believe in this place that questions are a really healthy part of faith. That there's a lot of things we don't always understand or have answers to, and we say, God, now what? And um, this, this one came in today that um, it's really difficult. It says this, I know in my mind they say God can, uh, doesn't give you more than you can handle. But at this point in my life, I've been through so many different things that have happened to me, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Before I get to the rest of this, let me tell you, that is a complete lie. Uh, There is a verse that says he won't give you more than you can handle, referring to temptation, not suffering. There is a lot of suffering you and I may experience that is way beyond what we could ever handle. Know that. It goes on, as you have said, I don't feel okay. I do not any longer love the Christmas holidays. I've lost two babies this time of year. So all the music and stuff doesn't bring the joy it used to. I try to stay positive. I know these things in my head that God can bring me through, but in my heart, I'm lonely, sad, and depressed. We set up this cross every single Sunday, not because it's beautiful and we like to have good decoration. We set up this cross every single Sunday because as a church, we believe in a God who's not distant to our pain. In a God who's not far removed saying, just suffer and figure it out, get through it on your own. No, we have a God who knows all of our suffering. He knows what it feels like to lose a child. He knows what it feels like to suffer pain and death and sorrow and sadness. And so we set this up every single week that every time we look at it, we can be reminded no matter what suffering we're in, he's with you. 
And we don't have to race to the positive and try to just get through it and get over it. It's okay to be hurting. Here's the one thing I want to invite you to do. I I don't know who sent this in, but can we hurt with you? And by that I mean, can we like take you to breakfast or just sit down and, and hear some of your story? And if it's too painful to talk about, can we just sit there and be with you? Because I look out here and I could name a whole lot of people who would say, I will buy your breakfast and be there with you. Don't do this alone. We love you. And we love you deeply. And I'm really, really deeply sorry as somebody who's lost two kids myself. That sucks. I can't make it better. But I can help you know you're not alone. So, That was the only one that came in today. If you have other questions, if that was you and you want to talk more, please come talk to us. Uh, We want to be here for you. Um, If you have other questions, text them in later this week and we will respond to them in the future. I'm going to invite Liz uh, to come on up here uh, real quick. While she's coming up here, uh, preferably on the stage, not down here. So while she's coming up here, does anybody remember what's happening next Sunday morning? No gathering. <laughs> there is still church because the church is who we are wherever we go, whatever we're doing. And, and I heard a couple of voices say, nothing is happening next Sunday. Well, I hope not. <laughs> See, our goal is all year long, we have been focused on connecting and serving, connecting with one another, connecting with our neighbors and serving our community. So our goal for you next Sunday is not to gather in this space but to gather in a different space, preferably one that serves some kind of breakfast and hopefully no lukewarm coffee, all right? We want you to go with somebody, either somebody that's sitting next to you or somebody that lives near you or a coworker. Go out to breakfast or brunch with them and just talk about life. Hear how their Christmas went, what their plans are for the New Year's, all the resolutions they plan on breaking, you know, all of those, oh, sorry, keeping, all of those things. And if you're like, I don't know who to take or who to invite, Just like look down the row right now. Is there anybody sitting in your row or the row ahead or behind you? Because you could literally, before you leave today, say, I don't know who to go to breakfast with next week. Will you join me? Just like that, real simple, okay? And I'm sure some will say yes and some will say no, and that's okay. Uh, We're going to have online a devotion and a short message on our Facebook for you to watch, some questions for you to talk about if you would like to, some ways to help you connect with Jesus at breakfast with somebody else. Also, spoiler alert, we're going to have a couple of ways for you to get some free breakfast on us. So uh, pay attention to that. We want to help you not only take somebody to go to breakfast, but enjoy breakfast for free. So keep an eye out. With that, uh, this is a very joyful and sad Sunday. Um, Joyful because we get to gather and experience Jesus, and sad because it's the last time we get to do that with Liz. Uh, Liz has been our our kids point director, coordinator for a year and a half. Uh, She was a volunteer before that, has been a huge blessing to many of our children and even many of us as parents. And yesterday, something really joyful and exciting happened in her life. She graduated with her master's. (laughs) Which means after lunch today, she's getting in the car and driving back to Indiana. Indiana, yeah where her parents live. Liz is preparing to move overseas to teach someplace else. And in the meantime, she's going to spend some time with her family and and her friends back in Indiana. 
So we are going to miss her greatly. Um, we will continue to celebrate that she's a part of the point, even when she's not here in person. And we want to send you with a blessing. Uh, so if you guys will just join me, stretching out your hand towards her. If you don't know her, and this is weird, like feel free to just sit there and listen. But if you know her and she's been any kind of blessing to you, uh, just stretch out your hand and, and just pray with me. Will you join me in this prayer? God, we thank you for Liz. We thank you for all the love she's poured out in this place, for the love she's given to all of our children, for the love she's given to each one of us um, in so many ways. We thank you for her joy and her, her laughter, for her sense of humor. God, we thank you above all for her passion to connect people to you. God, for her desire to go wherever you send her to do whatever you've called her to do, to share the good news of who you are with others. Lord, as she returns home to spend time with family, to prepare to go overseas, we pray you would open a door for her to walk through. God, a door where she can go and serve and love and be a blessing to others and in turn be blessed by you. Lord, we thank you for all that she's doing, all that you are doing in her, and all that is still to come. And now we ask this blessing over her, Lord. And the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. If you would like to say goodbye to Liz one more time before she leaves, uh, give her the biggest hug you can possibly give and squeeze all those tears she's fighting back. Squeeze them right out, okay? Uh, there it is. There's that look I was expecting. Uh, she'll be right out there after the service or right here hiding from you. Either way, come tell her you love her. With that, I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night for Christmas Eve. Uh, remember, because we're in a movie theater, they're also serving movies or showing movies, which means serving popcorn. So you could get some of that before you come in for the Christmas Eve service, seven o'clock here. It's going to be really great. See you there. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. 